Turn to uh, the Gospel of John and, and read that story of uh, the man uh, by the pool of Bethesda. It's uh, John chapter 5 and I'm reading from uh, verse 1. John chapter 5 and reading from verse 1. Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in that condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him Let's uh, pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that when we come and we read your word, we discover some of the amazing things that you did. And the fact that you are able to make us well. And this morning, as we look into your word, we pray that you might speak into our lives, into our hearts, into our homes, into our community. And we pray that you might make us well, that you might make us whole, and that you might remind us of the love and the grace and the forgiveness that you have for us. So open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to be able to receive you in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's great uh, to, uh, to look at the stories of Jesus. And I love stories of Jesus when he has uh, interactions uh, with individual people. If you're here with us last week for Back to Church Sunday, we were looking at that incident where uh, Jesus met with Nicodemus. And it's great when you you read these accounts of uh, Jesus having a, a one-to-one with someone. And uh, we've got one here this morning. I don't know if we can uh, switch to uh, RGB1. It's nice to have pictures. Um, RGB1. Great. I don't know about you, but I like pictures. So we can uh, we can, uh, we can picture the, uh, the, the scene in our mind. And... Uh, it's interesting to notice that Jesus asks uh, the man a question, doesn't he? Uh, the man's been sitting there, and uh, 
he asked him this question, do you want to get well? Have you ever been, have you ever had that experience where someone asks you a daft question? Have you, have you ever had an experience? I came across a, a list of, of, of daft questions. I don't know if you've heard any of these. Uh, do people that work for PG Tips take a coffee break? I don't know. Uh, if it's true that we're only here to help others, then what are others here for? You never thought of that, have you? Uh, why do we call a TV a TV set when there's only one of them? A bit silly to me. Uh, how come abbreviated is such a long word? Um, why do you press harder on the remote control button when the battery's dead? And uh, my favourite one, if the, if the police were to arrest a mime artist, does he still have the right to remain silent? Uh, daft questions. And uh, it could be that if you were the lame man lying there and you'd been a, an invalid for 38 years and someone comes up to you and says, do you want to get well? Your response might be, duh, uh, as, uh, as some of our young people might want to say. Uh, you know, obviously. What do you think I'm doing here? Uh, of course I want to get well. But I'm not sure, actually, um, you know, I might ask daft questions uh, because I'm just an ordinary guy, uh, but Jesus never asked daft questions. Uh, and when Jesus asks a question, very often uh, he asks a question that really gets to the heart of the matter. Do you want to get well? Obviously, uh, the man sitting there doesn't realise the significance of that question. He doesn't realise that stood before him is a person who has the power to make him well. He's oblivious to that fact. And it's important that we register that point right at the beginning. Do you want to get well? The answer seems obvious, doesn't it? It seems obvious that the answer would be yes. But actually, if you think about it, uh, this man, we're told um, that he had been uh, an invalid for 38 years, uh, which is probably a lifetime. It could be it's probably how old he was. Uh, so all his life he hadn't known anything else uh, but being an invalid, not being able to walk. That was his life. And for him to get well would actually mean a whole change of lifestyle, of circumstances. It would mean that he'd have to go out to work. It mean that he'd no longer be able to sit and, and probably have to beg for food. It would mean that he would have to do all sorts of things that he no longer did. He, he wasn't able to do because of his condition. And this idea about, uh, you know, us wanting to get well, sometimes uh, we can be actually comfortable uh, with the things um, of our circumstances and conditions. Don't heal me, I've got great disability. I kind of think that sums up, that little cartoon sums up. For some people, I don't know whether you've met people, and uh, sometimes I want to say to people that same question, do you really want to get well? Uh, and sometimes it's, it's not a physical illness. Sometimes people carry all sorts of things around with them. And, uh, and sometimes people use that phrase, don't they? They say, you know, you meet people who maybe have got a bad temper. And they say, well, that's just the way I am. Um, or, or you meet people who, uh, who uh, are not the kindest sort of people. And, 
And, you know, I want to say to them, do you actually want to get well? Because getting well uh, actually means changing. It actually means uh, a whole change of lifestyle. Do you want to get well? I think Jesus' question uh, is an important one. Take, for example, you know, supposing, I'm not suggesting this, by the way, but just supposing uh, you wanted to lose weight. Not looking at anybody. Eyes are shut. Could be looking at my own stomach. But supposing you wanted to lose weight. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the, any of these uh, uh, weight loss classes, you know. Uh, they all do it, don't they? Uh, and uh, if you want to get, if you really want to lose weight, it seems to me obvious, I'm not an expert, but it seems to me you have to change your diet. <laughs> you have to stop eating, uh, you know, chips and, uh, and puddings and all those nice things and hamburgers and actually eat, you know, fruit and vegetable and then maybe get a little bit of exercise. And uh, maybe if you go to these uh, these diet classes, one thing the, the dietitians might say is, do you really want to lose weight? And uh, Because it means a change in the lifestyle, doesn't it? It means totally changing the way that you live. And uh, I think this is what Jesus is implying by the question to the man, you know, do you want to get well? Um, think about what it will mean if I make you well. Think about the uh, consequences. Now, this man's uh, reply is, uh, is interesting, isn't it? Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Forgive the pun, but I think that's a bit of a lame excuse. What was he talking about? What was he talking about? Uh, there's no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Has anybody got a Bible with them? Be careful before you raise your hand. <laughs> Anyone got a Bible with me who's happy? Yeah, uh, Ian. Can you, can you read me out? Um, verse 4, okay? Verse 4. If I told you there was no verse 4, what sort of, what sort of Bible have you got? <laughs> what, what translation is it? NRSV. Well, I would believe you, actually, because uh, if you looked in your Bible, there isn't a verse 4. Gosh, amazing. I can see that you're stunned. It actually goes from verse 3 to verse 5. And if, like me, you might think, well, what's that all about? Uh, could the editors of the Bible not count? Is it a mistake? Gosh, a mistake in the Bible. We hope not, because uh, that might, uh, might might be the end of the world for some people. Uh, but fortunately, not for us. Um, I won't ask you because, uh, because you'd need extremely good eyesight. Sometimes they have these things in the Bible called footnotes. Anybody ever notice them? Uh, you probably don't read them. Uh, and so I will read you the footnotes um, for, that actually gives an explanation. Um, whoops, forget that. I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one in the pool after each disturbance will be cured of whatever disease he had. So that's why the man was there, because uh, there was this myth, this idea, um, that when the waters were stirred up, the first one in the pool would get well. And uh, this man says, there's no one to help me in the pool. And uh, it seems a, a bit of a, a kind of a, a lame excuse to me. And uh, if we just go back a little bit, uh, John Otterberg, 
in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, talks about somebody in his church. He doesn't use a real name, but he calls him Hank. And uh, he says this, Hank was not, change, was not changing. He was once a cranky young guy, and he grew up to be a cranky old man. But even more troubling than, than his lack of change was the fact that nobody was surprised by it. goes on to say this, that uh, no one seemed bothered by his condition. It was not an abnormality that caused head-scratching bewilderment. No church consultants were called in. No emergency church meetings were held to probe the strange case of this person who followed the church's general guidelines for spiritual life and yet was not transformed. The church staff did have some expectations. We expected that Hank would affirm certain religious beliefs. We expected he would attend services, read the Bible, support the church financially, pray regularly, avoid certain sins. But here's what we didn't expect. We didn't expect that he would progressively become the way Jesus would have him be if he were in Hank's place. We didn't assume that each year we would find him a more compassionate, joyful, gracious, winsome personality. Nobody was shocked or surprised that it didn't happen. Do you want to get well? Jesus asked. Do you want to get well? Sometimes it's it's true, isn't it? Maybe you know somebody like Hank, uh, who's been a Christian a long time, and yet doesn't seem to be have been transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, we're in the business of changing people's lives. That's what our business is. We want to see lives transformed and changed. We want to see people come to Jesus, find faith, and then find a brand new lifestyle. And if it doesn't happen, we should be surprised. We should be calling in church consultants. We should be having emergency church meetings. And we should be saying, shock, this person has come to faith. They've come to accept Jesus Christ. And yet their life has not changed. They're not becoming a nicer person. They're not becoming a more gracious person, a more loving person. Maybe we want to uh, forget about Hank or the other person we're thinking about and ask ourselves, because that's a bit more difficult, isn't it? Uh, Do we want to get well? One commentator points out that the word, the Greek word that's used uh, when they say that uh, Jesus asked the question, you want to get well, could have been uh, the word whole. Do you want to be made whole? And in that is the implication that there's something uh, here going on that's more about health, more about physical health, but about our whole beings being changed and transformed. Do you want to get well, uh, Jesus said. We've seen what uh, verse 4 says, and we're shocked that it wasn't there. You've learned something today. Uh, the second thing that Jesus says to him is uh, an instruction. He asks him a question, and then he gives an, an instruction. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. The amazing thing is, at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Um, It's amazing, isn't it, when we read about not only how Jesus was able to transform lives, but how Jesus was in a miraculous way able to bring people back to full health. And uh, the first thing that I'd want to say uh, is it's interesting that the man did what Jesus said, isn't it? Because the man could have said, I can't. I'm an invalid. 
He could have said, like he said about the uh, getting into the pool, he could have said, well, there's nobody here to help me. But for some reason, he actually did what Jesus told him to do. Friends, you know, uh, if we just did what Jesus asked us to do, it would be surprising what happens. You would be amazed what happens. Uh, Jesus has lots of instructions. He tells us all sorts of things that we ought to be doing. You know, if we actually step out in faith and do what Jesus says, sometimes amazing things happen. This man couldn't walk. He gets up and he walks. It's a miracle. Wow. (laughs) We're not surprised, though, are we? That's the amazing thing, is it? We read about these miracles and we're not surprised that Jesus was able to do this. We ought to be surprised. You know, miracles. uh, This is the dictionary definition of a miracle. It's an extraordinary event attributed to divine intervention. Well, that certainly describes what was going on here. This man had been ill for 38 years, and suddenly he's he's able to walk. Whenever I'm preaching on miracles, uh, um, I always have this uh, kind of question in my mind. um, Because... uh, I guess we've all been to, uh, to healing services. And uh, it seems to me, I know somebody will take me aside after I've said this, so uh, please do feel free to take me aside and, and put me right. But I'm going to say it anyway because uh, this is my experience. Uh, it seems to me that we uh, aren't able to produce the same sort of healing miracles uh, that Jesus did. Just pause then for you to let that sink in because, uh, because some people, that will, that will trouble some people. And that's okay, you can come and talk to me about it afterwards and we'll have a, an interesting conversation. But I guess like me, you've been to lots of healing meetings and uh, uh, wonderful things might have happened, uh, but we don't see the lame walking and the blind suddenly being able to see. We do hear stories about it, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not being uh, flippant here. Um, Peter uh, Foles was taking a service the other Sunday evening and talking about... Uh, some of the experience of the pastor in India, and he was seeing this sort of stuff. This sort of stuff does happen, and there's a question about, you know, why we don't see it happen. Um, but miracle, miracles, you know, by their very nature, are not things that happened all the, all the time. And it's interesting in this situation, uh, you know, that Jesus, there was a, a whole crowd of people, it says there was a number of people, disabled people, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, and Jesus seems to focus in on one person. Now, some commentators would try and explain that away and say, well, you know, uh, at the end of John gospel, John's gospel, he has that little phrase that says, Jesus did many wonderful other things, and uh, if they were all written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to be able to contain them. And so they would argue that everybody there was healed. But I think John uh, is simply saying that there was lots of people there, and for whatever reason, Jesus focused in on this one person, and he healed this one person, and uh, there was lots of people there who went away disappointed. Now, that might not sit comfortably with you, but it sits more comfortably with me because I think that's the reality. Healing is a great mystery. And the the reality is, and it's a painful reality, uh, not everybody we pray for gets well. Uh, You will have prayed for people and I will have prayed for people uh, who haven't got well. And that's always a difficult thing. And uh, we shouldn't shy away from that. We shouldn't try and explain it away. You know, sometimes people say, oh, well, if you had enough faith, just listen what happens next in the story. Um, the day that the, on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, it's the Sabbath. 
Maybe he wasn't aware of it. Maybe he'd forgotten. Uh, it's against our laws for you to pick up your mats on the Sabbath. You think we've got some strange laws and <laughs> regulations there. That was theirs. Uh, but notice here, and do be surprised by this. You know, the Jews, two things have happened here. Um, a man has been miraculously healed. He'd been an invalid for 38 years. That's one thing that happened. Uh, one of the minor Sabbaths laws had been broken. That's the other thing that happened. What do the religious people concentrate on and focus on? Do they focus on the miraculous healing and start praising God because somebody's been uh, made well? Or do they focus on the fact that somebody's broken one of their precious rules and regulations? The religious people focus on the fact that somebody's broken one of their precious rules and regulations. Now, you can see what's coming next, can't you? I wonder how often in the church we actually miss out on some of the amazing things that God is doing because we're so focused in on some of our rules and regulations. Let me let you into a little secret. Sometimes in church I get in trouble uh, for breaking rules and regulations. At the moment I can pretend, well, I didn't know about that. I'm very sorry. I didn't know you did it this way. Uh, a few months later on that won't watch and you'll say, Richard, you knew that and you've broken one of our rules. Because, uh, you know, sometimes we get, a bit, we get a bit tied up, don't we, in the ways that things should be done. And we have certain procedures and, have, you know, we like things to be just how they are. But the danger is sometimes we take it to such an extreme that we end up like the Pharisees. And uh, we don't see some of the amazing things God is doing because our eyes and our focus are all on the laws and the regulations. And they want to know who has told you it's okay to pit up your mat and walk. The amazing thing is, the guy doesn't even know who Jesus is. So going back to why, uh, when some people say, you know, if you had enough faith, there's no doubt that this man had no faith in Jesus. He hadn't a clue who he was. He says when they said, you know, uh, it's a Sabbath, uh, our laws forbid you to carry that. But the man replied, this man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. As I was reading that, you know, I could hear one of my daughter's voices. She made me do it. I didn't do it. It was her fault. She told me to do it. And it's like this man, you know, at first, you know, maybe he, he's the hang, you know, he was complaining and moaning because there was no one to help him into the pool. Uh, he gets miraculously healed. And, and you see that although he's been physically healed, he's still a bit of a whinger. He doesn't want to get into trouble. Well, it's not my fault. He made me do it. Um, and you can see, can't you, uh, that it's not just about faith. The fact that people are made well, it's not just about faith. Jesus heals this man and it's a, a, a miracle. And uh, whenever we hear about a miracle, we praise God and we say that's wonderful. But we also recognize uh, that heartbreakingly so, uh, miracles are rare. And there's lots of people, maybe you're here this morning, longing for a miracle that has never come. Well, don't give up. Uh, it doesn't mean that God's not interested in you. It doesn't mean that God's given up on you. Uh, there are things that uh, even me as a Baptist minister and you as a, a Christian for how many years can't explain. And uh, miracles by their very nature are something that we can't explain. We stand back in wonder when they happen. When we read about them in the Gospels, when we hear about them in the world, we praise God. And we don't stop praying for miracles, but we just recognize an important truth that the Bible doesn't say, you know, that you'll be able to do miracles day in, day out. It doesn't promise that. And so, um, 
Jesus says, you know, pick up, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And then he says something else. He finds the man later on after the man's had this uh, conversation with, uh, with the uh, religious leaders and uh, got into a bit of trouble. Uh, the man, Jesus finds a man and he has another conversation with him. And he says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This is an interesting phrase, isn't it? Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And uh, the man probably thinks, well, what could be worse than being an invalid for 38 years? And it seems to me that Jesus is actually saying, again, you know, that it's not just about our physical health, but it's also about our spiritual health and our well-being. And a condition, you know, that we all share is one that we are fallen. Uh, the Bible uses the words sinners. It just means people that make a mess of things, people that get things wrong. And that is our condition. It's everybody's condition. And it's a condition that Jesus can do something about. <clears throat> I like this little cartoon. I hear that Jesus can heal the lame, which is precisely the condition that I'm told prevents me from charming women. <laughs> well, that's not the condition that... Uh, that we all uh, suffer from. The condition that we all suffer from is that we are fallen human beings. That we make a mess. We get things wrong. And Jesus is, is saying, you know, stop sinning. And you'll find that phrase more than once in the Bible. Remember the woman caught in adulteress when the, uh, the Pharisees, again, were ready to, they, they were ready to throw the stones at her and kill her. And Jesus says, if anyone is without sin, let him cast the first stone and Gradually they all disappear. And he says, turns to the woman and he says, go and sin no more. And uh, Jesus wants to make us well, but not just physically well. He wants to make us spiritually well. He wants, he's, in, he's, in, he's interested in the whole of us being well. And this takes us back to the idea that our lives need to be transformed. That Jesus wants to change us and make us more like him. And that's what we're in the business of, friends. We're in the business of trying to change people's lives, to transform them, to stop us sinning, getting things wrong. Friends, we're going to continue to get things wrong. We're going to make a mess. Even me as a minister will get things wrong, and you'll point it out, I'm sure. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay, because uh, we're all in this together. Uh, but the important thing is uh, we know that there's somewhere that we can go, going back to what we were talking about when the children were in. There's a place that we can go. There's a person that we can go to. Uh, whether we're physically ill, whether we're spiritually or mentally ill, whatever our situation, there is a place that we can go. And in a few moments, we're going to gather around the Lord's table. And uh, it gives us an opportunity to kind of stop and to think about our lives and to recognize that we need to seek God's forgiveness. We need to seek God's grace. And the great thing about gathering together around communion is that it's that physical reminder we can see and we can partake in a process that reminds us that God loves us, that he cares for us, and he wants to make us whole. And this is the place to come to. You can be made well this morning if you want to. That's not to say that we won't pray for you. And I know that uh, maybe you've come here this morning and you'd like someone to pray with you. And uh, there are people here uh, that we're willing to do that after the service, have a word with me or, or one of the leaders, and uh, we'd love to do that. So let's remember that uh, 
Jesus <clears throat> says to the man, do you want to get well? It's a question we need to ask. Do we want to be well? Do we want to be whole? Do we want Jesus to actually make a difference to transform our lives? If we do, then we have to do something about it. Uh, we have to get up. We have to wake up to the fact that Jesus stands before us. And he, ha- he can actually do something to change our lives and our circumstances. But he also wants us to transform us and to take us from that place of lostness, of sinfulness, to a place of wholeness and health. And that's the offer that Jesus makes. As we uh, prepare to meet around the Lord's table, we're just going to take a moment to reflect and to uh, allow that word uh, to kind of sink into our hearts and to think about that thought, you know, do we want to be made well? And we're just going to use a song to help us do that, to take us into uh, communion. Uh, it's going to appear on the, on the screen. And, uh, and just listen to the words and allow this song to minister to you as we prepare to meet God around the community. At the foot of the Thank you.